0: welcome to the instinctive influencers podcast a show where influence becomes one of your tools for success now here are your
1: hosts brian weber and ed haley
0: hi i'm brian
1: and i am ed
0: and welcome to the instinctive Influencers show we're so happy you're with us today ed we are rounding out our little series today um but before we go into that, uh, so to, this week, because I'm going to rile you up a little bit, I, I, I'm going to enjoy oh, yeah. this. This week, <laughs> you just it. you get to experience something that's brand new in talent management, which we've talked about before, where you kind of get to pick where you go next, because obviously you can't stay where you are until you retire. I, I mean, how was that experience, man?
1: Um, so I was very anxious for it to start. It's called the marketplace. And then, uh, mm. I didn't know what it was all about. You know, it's new, very, very new. So it it was a little bit of anxiety going into it. Then I got an email that said, Hey, your marketplace is open. Uh, click mm-hmm. on the link. And then what they've done is, you know, for us in the military, we have branch managers, we have, you know, career managers and they have gone in. And they have said, these are the positions, the duty stations or assignments that we think would help your professional growth and progression. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they just give you a list. It varies. So I had 25 assignments to choose from. Um, But I think one of the things I did, it was lucky because it happened. um, I was home when I realized it was open. And my wife and I sat down and we went through them and we rated them together. You know, so she's oh, nice. been around the military a long time. So she has some, she needed to have some input. And then some, you know, she was all about Hawaii. And I said, but you got to understand with Hawaii, you know, I'm going to the field for 30 days at a time. You're not. So you got to think about the things with me. And then she says, so cute. She says, well, you're a mess and You're not going to the field. And I said. <laughs> uh, this is not accurate no i'm going so uh, yeah so it gives you some input and then now the waiting game right like my marketplace opened on october 13th yeah it doesn't close until november and then we don't know what assignment we get until february so from now to february Ooh. i know what i picked um and, and i didn't really have all right at this point in my career, Korea is terrible. I don't want to go to Korea because I'm trying to retire, right? Like, there's things that we do and job fairs and things. That, the opportunities aren't going to be the same as Korea, as Brian points to his guide on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I didn't have anything terrible. Actually, I had some that I told my wife. I said, if this was five years ago, I'd have, like, Okinawa, Japan, I'd have jumped all over that. If it was five years yeah. ago and I wasn't ready to retire... You know, uh, Air right. Force Base in Florida, McDill Mac- Air Force Base in Florida, I'd have been all over it. So we'll see what happens from here. There that is one that would one. keep me in my same house, and uh, we would not leave Germany. So there is one, fingers crossed, uh, that would not yeah. impact us much. I would move offices. I would move installations. I would move commands. That's it. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. But it is a cool you know, tool. Good tool. I don't know. I'll know where I'm going next before you know where you're going next.
1: Yeah, but I know where I'm going after that. You don't know when you're going to be able to say that part.
0: <laughs> you're absolutely correct. Absolutely, yeah. I'll meet you I mean, in Nashville just, when you retire. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's what going to be. I mean, we all – we know where the end state is. That's that's a good thing. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's just – so – you know listening because we just started this whole program listen to what you had to say with it because i haven't had any firsthand experience with it yet um i want to learn to be able to understand it you know and i just want to link this to training uh because that's what we're going to talk about today is we're going over training and we're just going to go over mm-hmm. some simple methods of training but for me to understand it then i could further help you know those who are you know in my organizations that i'll be a part of to be able to understand it and be able to kind of M- move well, maneuver through it you know so
1: yeah i think the value for you brian is you're gonna find yourself and you're gonna have seniors right who are trying to figure right. out what's the next assignment to help me get to where you're at and i think you need to understand how the marketplace works because they're gonna come to you and it's not like back in the day where you could be like oh i know somebody at fort knox and i'll just give them a call yeah. we'll get you it's not like that anymore so I think that your knowledge really maybe not as much into training this week, but it definitely goes into the coaching and mentoring that we've talked about previously. It's a tool that you can mm-hmm. use. Yeah. And a hundred percent somebody's gonna come to you. Some first and some mass sergeant's gonna say, "Sir Major, got a minute? Uh, yeah. let's talk about <laughs> you know, let's talk yeah, about my cool. movement cycle. So yeah, I, I think yeah. that it's really important for you to understand. There are some tools on HRC on the human resources website. That explain it i didn't bother i just went in there and honestly once you go in there it's pretty straightforward like they block yeah. out you can't you know there's a thing you could collect, uh select stabilization but that's only if you've already cleared it through your branch if you haven't that's not even available to you it's there but you can't click it and then after that you see a recommendation from your manager um mm. what type of assignment and and what you need to progress so those are good tools for talent management and then then you just have the different assignments to rate. The one thing I'd like to see them improve is I was telling you earlier with the officer side, they can see specifically what that job is. Uh-huh. And if there's a way to do that, somebody please message me on the Facebook page. Cause I could not figure out how to see what the specific job was. I can see the location. I can see a title, mm. but it doesn't tell me this is a first time job. This is a G three, you know, job, whatever and I I'd, I'd like right. to know exactly what the job is like the officers do but if there's a way I just couldn't find it I'm not the most illi- uh, most literate computer person so maybe I missed something yeah um uh, so yeah I'd appreciate if somebody listening who's military and understands it would message me and say hey just click this and then I go do it
0: yeah well I mean I think it's going to it's going to go hand in hand with uh so I don't know if you know much about the S map basically the Sergeant major um T- 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 assignment program, I want to say it is. Mm-hmm. Anyways, they're building this right now. They're, they're running the brigades through it. However, battalion is going to go through it, and then they're setting it up at each uh, installation. First sergeants are going to go through it. So it's 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 kind of like this thing that's supposed to put people in the right job, and yep. the not so desirables will obviously not get a job, or those that are considered counterproductive uh, leaders, you know. Um, yeah. I, anyway, I
1: think it's a. Lot. I'm sorry. I just I think it's a long time coming for us in the military oh, to yeah. kind of wean out the ones that aren't. And I think that this new promotion system, yeah. I would not want to be in it. But I also think it's going to weed out the strap hangers who are just collecting a check. I think you're going to get rid of them because that rat hole, you didn't get promoted this year. Back in the pool you go. I think you're going to find the, the, mm-hmm. the cream is going to rise to the top.
0: Absolutely. So, yeah. Talent management well, is know It's important. Yeah, with that, I wanted to tell the audience to make sure that they understand it. No, at no point is anything that we talk about in this show, the opinion of the United <laughs> States or the United States Army, we no. are going to talk about. However, we're going to talk about some key stuff that you and I have been dealing with for a very long time. Ed's got it up. <laughs> up. If you're time. watching, you can kind of see his whiteboard. It, it may look a little distanced for you. However, we're going to cover all kinds time. of stuff write bigger, write bigger. (laughs) Yeah, I'll improve it next time. There we go. Um, So, what we're hitting upon today, we're going to hit upon training. We've talked about coaching. we talked about mentoring. There's uh, Coaching and mentoring really are like those one-on-one things. Training can be one-on-one, can be group. It's just a lot of things. And, to be honest, I don't think people actually realize how important training is in an organization. Just period. If, training is one of those things that do you want your organization to grow or do you want to stay stagnant and that to me that's like that's the i mean the overall concept of it either they're going to grow or they become stagnant now how well we effectively do the training all these things which we're going to talk about um will ensure if it's good enough now yeah. i i, pr- I give you uh, three different print offs i want to read this one though before the it was uh the the training challenge um. This so training is not easy. I don't care what anybody says; it is not easy. You know, because we're gonna go through uh the eight step training model, which is and, and Ed that's what Ed Mason mainly has behind him. But that yeah. that is not easy if you're really trying to make it effective and useful. Um, so, in the army, even tells us it literally verbally tells us through a manual. The the officials within the service that tell us within the manual hey, training is a challenge. It is a challenge. And this is what the Army has to say about it. And then I'm going to read this and then I'll kind of break it down in a second. It says the Army's training challenge is to optimize, synchronize, and support training in schools, training and education in units, and self development training to produce forces and leaders capable of responding across the range of military operations. Internal to unit training. The greatest challenge is managing the broad number of commander responsibilities and requirements in relation to the time available to train and conduct unit activities resulting in overall unit readiness. Um, So this is what I'm trying to get. You know, we've talked about this on this show before, Ed, where it it was a few years back, the study that was done, that there was more required training. Uh, a 350 one we call oh, yeah. it 350 yeah. one training is more required training than actual training days yeah. that that pretty much is what this regulation is saying you know hey listen we've only we've got a finite amount of time so now what we have to do is as as uh you know leaders as uh you know even the commanders or or the you know those who are involved in building the training the operations We have to look at, okay, so what are the priorities? What do we need to focus on to become better? What are we already good at that we can just kind of keep doing to make sure we stay proficient? But what do we get to build upon to say, hey, listen, we've just increased our capabilities because now our organization could do X, Y, Z. Now, however, one of the things I've seen Ed, and you may have seen this also, your organization was at this level. They're at a peak high running level we have a lot of talent management thing takes place. So people yeah. get moved around, people get taken out of the organization, put in the organization. Now you've just brought your capability of that organization down the notch. How do we get back up to that? And that's being able to basically look at it and assess, hey, this is what we used to be able to do. This is how we were able to get there and get to the, we need to do this again. So, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure we kind of really hit upon a whole, there is a massive challenge to doing this training piece? What you got, man?
1: So I think that, uh, you know, when the organization takes that hit from the talent management, um, that's where the creative and critical thinking of those who are still in that organization or the new mm-hmm. lifeblood comes in, right? Because then right. not only can they help you get back to where you were, but that that new lifeblood hopefully can bring you to another level. Um, you know, I've been in mm-hmm. organizations, where things were run one way and then you go to another one and you're like, okay, I see some room for improvement, but let's observe, you know, let's do our due diligence. Let's go through the motions. Let's work here. And then as you get more influence in that organization, you can say, Hey, you know, let's try this thing. It's worked. I've seen Mm -hmm. it work in the past and then you can try whatever that item is to try to help the organization continue to grow, right? Not stay stagnant Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, talent management happens. Boom. We come down Boom, we come back here, but that's, I mean, it's good that we got back to where we were, but we didn't improve either. And we got this new talent. So what was their impact other than getting us back? You know, we could have kept the same people. So hopefully with that talent management piece, you know, you can move up a little bit and your organization can grow. Um, And then the military model, as you and I have seen. So I've been a little more blessed and that I don't move very often. So I've been in organizations for seven years at a stretch where some people like yourself or some other people, maybe every couple of years they're moving and they're moving
0: and oh, they're moving. So I, oh, I, you ain't talking about me. <laughs> so I it's good move, and bad. I didn't, well, I didn't move that often. Well, since
1: you left <laughs> Kentucky. You have.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, It's good and bad, though, because then I only know what I've seen for seven years, but Brian comes in and he's moved twice in that same seven years. He brings some new blood into the organization, hopefully. Right. Um, Yeah. And and I think in training, I've seen a lot in training. You see uh, in training and how we do training, (laughs) somebody always offers something. and and bring something new, Mm -hmm. a new approach. And and I've always kind of enjoyed that new approach to training because it has to be interesting or else you lose your participants. You lose your soldiers interest if it's not interesting and they feel like you're wasting their time.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think some of the, the the key things that I always enjoy about Ed too is when you see the soldiers within that organization and the light bulb turns on and you're like and you realize they get it. They understand what they were supposed to be able to do proficiently. And then you watch it like we call it the the crawl walk run phase. And you can you can mm. literally see when it transitions while you're doing this training. From the crawl to walk and then the walk to run. Because when they start running, oh, my goodness, man, they are off to the races. I mean, it's amazing.
1: (laughs) So you made me think of something, Brian, real quick. The crawl, young soldier comes to me, and she's like, hey, Sarn, I want to drive the forklift. A little bitty soldier, right? Like five foot nothing. And I said, okay. And I said, well, we'll get you on the the little forklift. And she's like, no, no, no. I want to drive the big one. I said, let's start (laughs) with the little one. And uh, so you started, you know, driving. It's just so exciting just to get in the seat of the forklift. And then that becomes infectious to you as the person training, right? Because you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. they're they're into this. Like, let me help them. Um, And Mm -hmm. then, you know, so now the soldier's driving. She's doing the crawl with me there, watching, and she's, you know, walking. By the time the soldier's in the run phase of this forklift, that so I couldn't get the soldier off the fort. A truck would come in. We're like, "Hey, we need somebody to unload the truck." And before I got the words out, soldier had the keys, had their helmet, and was on their way through. I got it on the forklift because they wanted to learn to drive it so much, and they enjoyed took so much from it. And that's to me as a trainer is the payoff, right? That infectious, mm-hmm. that enthusiasm of you know of, of doing something
0: exactly man and you know i i guess you could say because we're going to talk about the eight-step training model here but we are i think you can catch to me what you that that little instance you can catch some of the things that we consider to be part of the principles of training um that i think are it's a great every year organization needs to have some type of principles to their training basically it's kind of like saying hey listen we fall back on this. These are the principles we need to meet, you know. And and whether it be a civilian organization or military, well, military, we have Marty cut and dry for us, and I'm going to explain what those are here in a yeah. moment. However, if you're in a civilian organization, you could even take the ones we're going to give and use those as your own. All right, you you can redefine some of the words. And use your own. But what this does is this kind of gives you a guideline uh, to stay within the parameters of what is needed from you as an overall organization. Um, And and that's why I think about like that that particular soldier wanted to learn how to use this piece of equipment. Well, to me, that hits upon a couple of these training principles: uh, uh, train to maintain, train to fight, or uh, fight to train, or train as you fight those are all things that we have to stay within um, so what it says here it talks about principle the principles of training provide foundational direction for all commanders and leaders these principles guide and influence say i like that word <laughs> these principles yeah, i've heard it guide and, <laughs> and influence training at every echelon so every level these principles work the following principles of training complement each other, providing task and purpose to every aspect of how army forces train. So real quick, I'm going to run down through them and then we're going to jump into the real meat of the show today. Uh, So when it comes to these principles of training, commanders are the primary trainers. That's what they say, right? yeah what do they actually do for us they give us their vision they give us their guide their training guidance they give us the direction but they pull all that from information about the organization and the organization's uh, mission so if i know my my job is to move equipment from point a to point b yeah then i'm not going to focus training primarily on building gizmos it's going to be about moving equipment from point a to point b and everything it entails that um Here's the one I've always enjoyed because I think, oh, we fall (laughs) into this one. (laughs) Non-commissioned officers train individuals, crews, and small teams. They also advise commanders on all aspects of training. Why do we do this? Because we've gone through it. However, you have those same, I'm not a fan of the naysayers. Like, oh, well, we've tried that before. We'll never get it done. No, we haven't tried that. Let's try again. Maybe we tried it the wrong way. Maybe we tried yeah. it this way and not that way. You know, take um,
1: it as a challenge. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, like take, uh, yeah. I, I I don't know if anybody's ever you know if they understand. Like, When you run into these roadblocks, people often will say, well, it's already been done. It's already been done. And it's like, I don't know if you actually have tried it completely. Did you brainstorm this? Did you come up with alternate ideas and then just go with the alternates and not the primary? Like, there's so much could be done. Um, So much, yeah. Let me continue on here. Training using multi-echelon techniques to maximize time and resource efficiency. Uh, This one right here, this is probably one of the key ones. So when we talk multi-echelon techniques, basically it's taking different organizations and being able to maximize uh, the training by allowing them to kind of like rotate through uh, like a training scenario. And that way everyone gets to take part in it and then you're not wasting a resource. So I'm not... I don't have one organization. Ed has another organization. He's deciding he's going to go train on movement to contact while I'm going to train on just uh, basic rifleman uh, skills. Instead, what we do is we combine those together. We work together. We create two organizations that are both proficient now in the same thing, especially – When our mission is the same, or maybe he's a sustainer, he's a sustainer organization. I'm an aviation organization. We need sustainers to help us get our equipment and all our stuff to where we need to go Mm -hmm. and then vice versa. Well, he's not, yeah, he is logistics, get all my stuff there. And then I need to be able to move (laughs) all of their stuff to another location. So we work together. Um, Here we go. Train as a combined arms team. Okay. That's working together. Train to standard using appropriate doctrine. So we have doctrine that helps guide us. So we want to make sure we stay within that. This one I've always loved: yeah. train as you fight. Train as you fight. <laughs> we train as we fight, and then we'll fight as we train. Which that's the last one. Uh, Sustain levels of training proficiency over time. We can lose our ability to properly yeah. uh, conduct whatever mission it is if we st- <laughs> if we don't stay proficient. Yeah, you train can't to maintain. just fire.
1: You can't just fire yeah.
0: and forget, like absolutely not. Fire and forget. That's that's one of those those a key term. We don't want to just oh, we've done it once. We don't need to do it anymore. No, yeah, we keep doing. We got it. Doing. <laughs> uh, train and maintain. It's basically just to keep the force going, and you know, we 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 have eighty percent of the organization knows how to do things. We've got to keep them under you know a certain scope, and then fight to train, fight to train because. We, we we know already know that uh, that we have to train to fight. Now we had to be able to conduct the opposite. Now Ed, yeah. I've conducted the first two sections of what we thought were important. Now we're gonna get into the meat, the the goods of all this. Do you wanna talk a little bit about like I know it kind of just bring us in, introduce us to this this training model that <laughs> we're gonna introduce?
1: Uh, so, really, when you talk about the eight-step training model, it is a a, a useful guide for, for planning and conducting training and improving training. And, uh, you know, I've mentioned it before. One of the big things about training is it can't be boring and it can't be mm. stagnant because then you lose the enthusiasm, enthusiasm of your audience. So, that's why mm-hmm. a model like this helps you ensure. And then, you know, I don't know about you, Brian, but… I've maybe some of our listeners have been somewhere. You went to a training and, you know, they were like, oh, we're going to, we're going to go up to the, um, we're going to go up, we call it butcher board paper. We're going to go to the whiteboard and we're going to do the, we're going to write out these lists. Well, we don't have enough right. whiteboards. So like eight of you just go to that board and eight of you go to that board because I don't have enough whiteboards, but that impacts training and this model helps Make sure that you have enough training aid, you have enough materials, because if I send eight mm-hmm. people to one whiteboard with one marker, the odds are I'm gonna get input from the person writing, right? And I'm gonna get some input maybe from two or three. And then the other four are gonna be back here. You know, it's a new day. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be on their phone, on the book of faces, or they're gonna be, you know, Instagram modeling or whatever. But they're not going to be paying attention to the training. So now I've reduced my audience. We're just, in this example, I've reduced my audience by half of the training. And again, as we move through these steps, you'll see how this model will help us stop that kind of stuff to make sure that the training is effective. So the first Mm -hmm. thing, Brian, is plan. And uh, before the show, when we were talking, I said, this is one that I, as a young leader, struggled a little bit with because... I feel like the things when you're planning that you have to think about, you get more and more from experience. But here's the tie-in. I'm a new leader. This is an opportunity Mm -hmm. for me to learn, but it's an opportunity for you, Brian, to coach and mentor me. It's an opportunity for me to say, here's my outline. And then you say, Mm -hmm. okay, well, have you got all the resources? Well, I think so. Well, what resources do you have? So for this particular training, what Mm -hmm. do we need? What do you have? Okay. And then I say, all right, I got that. I know where we're going for the training site. We want to do it at training area 11. Okay. Did you go to the three and coordinate that yet? No. Do I have to do that? Well, yeah, you got to go do that. And then I go, so it's an opportunity, Brian. So when we talk about planning, I gave a few So what is being trained? I think think that might be the very first question. All right, we're going to plan this training. What are we training? Uh, Yeah. Who who are the instructors and facilitators? Do I have SMEs? You know, if I'm going Uh to teach uh, forklift training, do I have a master driver? Do I have somebody certified on that forklift? If I don't, okay, next question, right? Rabbit hole time is, okay, who conducts that training? Maybe my sister battalion has a master driver, so maybe I need to get with them and see if I can get an instructor from there, right?
0: Multi-echelon. So that's the,
1: yeah, so that's it. Right. That's the multi-echelon. That's the thinking outside the box. Instead of just saying, yep. well, we don't have anybody certified. I guess we're not doing forklift training. No, 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 no. Nah.
0: What's
1: the, what can we do to get it? Now, once I've run the gamut, right, I've called my sister battalion's. I've gone down the street to 4th Infantry Division. I, I was the old first cab guy. They were the division down the street. I've gone down there mm-hmm. and I've tried to find somebody. Maybe we just <clears> have, um, there used to be this really big forklift. We call her Big Bertha. She is a um, 10 Alpha, a huge forklift. And there weren't very many of them on an the installation. So maybe 45D doesn't have. So now where do I get this training at? How do I, I got this asset sitting in my motor pool, but I can't use it. And I want to use it because it's a yeah. force multiplier, right? Now we reach out to like a TACOM and we reach out to the company who makes it and says, hey, who in Texas can do training on this? So you have to take those steps, you know?
0: Um,
1: Mm -hmm. Then, of course, you need your training site. And we're going to talk about the importance of that in step uh, three. We're going to talk about training site again. Training aids, right? I talked about having a group of eight people around one whiteboard, maybe this big. What am I going to get from eight people on this whiteboard? I'm not, I'm probably going to get one or two people that, you know, but, so you need to make sure, do I have adequate training aids? Do I have enough training aid? And this is all part of the initial planning process. And then for us, and a very big one is, has somebody done a risk assessment of the training and has it been reviewed by somebody? Who's Mm -hmm. the decision authority for this training? Has it been submitted to them for signing signature, right? Right. And there's so much more that could go in here, but I do think that this is a coaching and mentoring opportunity for somebody, we'll just say Sergeant E5 Haley, to receive from, you know, Master Sergeant weber This is a chance for him to guide me. And I've had NCOs right. uh, when I was in the motor pool. I had Sergeant First Class Ramirez, retired now, Master Sergeant, And he was very quick to say, let me see your training plan. And he was one of those guys, Brian, that was like, I want to see it you know, four weeks out, five weeks out from the training because he wants that opportunity to not have to rush to get it done and say, well, here's the answers. He wanted time to be able right. to say, okay, what what happens if it rains? Oh, well, then, okay, well, what's the next thing? What, what are you going to lift with the forklift when we're doing the training? Those type of things. So he wanted it early enough, and and, and he took those opportunities to mentor me. I'm going to say the first time they gave me a range, I was like, "Uh do Oh, and then it was a nine mil range, right? So we don't shoot nine mil. And they're like, hey, you're gonna be the you're gonna be the NCYC of the nine mil range. And I'm like, I am? I've never shot one of those in the army. So where do I start? You know? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, yeah. So that's that's planning. That's step one.
0: What do you got, Brian? Uh so when I look at that planning ed, uh one of the things I want to uh, because we obviously talk mainly Military, But this can also be transformed onto the civilian sector. Oh, 100%. Um, It talks, the very first sentence, it talks about leaders develop specific and measurable training objectives based on the commander's guidance. Um, The commander, obviously, is kind of like our CEO of our organization, right? And they say, okay, we need to be able to get our organization at this level for this particular type of operation so let's say it's a we have a, a, a civilian organization where it's the ceo the ceo says hey i need all my sales personnel able to do x y and z right and this mm-hmm. helps initiate leads all this stuff that's where they're pulling this training out of so when you when, those of you listening when you to understand that they're saying hey this is what the organization should look like now.'" You as a leader within that organization, you say, "Oh, well, for us to get there, because of my experience, my understanding, and the, the research I've done, this is the training. These, the, these are the specific measurables. The like, I'm basically here's my criteria. I am yeah. basing everything off of this, and these are the elements that we need to hit. What well, so, equates to I success? Really, yep, yeah. absolutely, the ways to success. And that's and that's the key point of it. You know when." When some people they put their training together, I don't think they think about those and then bounce it back off of it will X equal y you know it, that's it's just one of those things uh, but yeah I think uh planning obviously obviously everyone knows should know that planning a training event is a it is a significant emotional event um, <laughs> if if not done right with the right people um, but yeah that's what I have man.
1: All right. So I just wrote up here off of what you said. I added to my notes for the plan, what does success look like? I actually wrote what does success look like. My bad. Good thing y'all can't read it. (laughs) Um, Stop it. And I wrote specific and measurable, which is funny because when I was in the instructor course, that's one of the things we used to tell people is what constitutes specific and measurable. What what equals a goal or a a success? So that, that is... You know, and it's funny because the 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 document I use for this week, Brian, I got from the uh, Fort Benning site, and it it really it doesn't say. And I'll go back and double check. It doesn't say anything about when you're planning training. What what is a success for that training? Because even if you mm-hmm. do a multi echelon giant field exercise, there's something that equals success for the brigade, mm-hmm. for the battalion, even for the company, even down to the squad. There's things you want to achieve to equal a success. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so, um, so I think that's plan. What you got. Can y'all see? I uh, don't Y'all probably can't make it out. I'm going to get a better view, but this Brian made me this painting just so y'all know. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. All right. Do more painting. So uh, what's next, Brian?
0: Movie We're going to move on to step two, which would be train and certify leaders. I'm going to read through this real quick, and then we're going to break it down. All right. Certification requirements are established, and leaders and trainers are certified to lead and conduct the training. Certified personnel must have detailed knowledge of the training subject matter and have performed the task to standard themselves. This step also includes training and certifying opposing forces, otherwise known as OP4 leaders. All right, so right here, off the bat, certification requirements are established. Mm-hmm. Basically, we're saying, we'll look at the bigger picture. What is our training? What is our criteria? Now, how do we certify those requirements? How do we yeah, say, sure. okay, this makes it a go, this makes, you know, this, I guess you could say this is the criteria. This is where we get into that part. And then leaders and trainers, they are certified on their understanding and then ability to conduct the training. Ed, you and I, we did this. We went through this. We were in the same class. Well, at first you went to the first classroom, then you had your accident, then you came to my classroom. I'll bring it up. (laughs) However, we went through this together. There was uh, was a certification requirement for us to become instructors. We went through that certification uh, and it established that we were certified to lead and conduct the training that then we had to go you know, become BLC yeah. instructors. Right. And would you say when you look at that program, right. And, and the crazy thing is I, I'm hoping I can get you kind of give me uh, two sides of it. Right. Because I know you're going to be a little subjective over it. Right. When you look at the program, do you feel okay. like it prepared you properly to train To trainees.
1: So there is two sides to this. (laughs) There is. I think that what we did, you and I, at the time, was okay. I think that the um, certain parts of it, the exam, I, I didn't think that was really a big deal. I didn't think it was really necessary to take the same exams they took. You know, but I I get why, I get the why to it, but it was like, I mean, it's not, it wasn't complicated. Mm -hmm. Uh, The land nav I definitely got. I I know this is going to kind of, you might be taking a little bit of back by this, but uh, (laughs) you might be taking a little bit of back by this, but the program at the end of my time, the program that Mr. Williams, the bearded ninja and JC Mm -hmm. had going for the instructor certifications, I thought was much right. more efficient Uh yes. because they did every eval. The soldiers did right where you and I didn't have, mm-hmm. to, we didn't necessarily do that because mm-hmm. I don't remember doing every single eval, every, you know what I mean? And maybe because I was on the injured list and they felt bad for me in their pity party. Uh, so that was the other side. I do think it got better towards the end because what was happening is the soldiers that we were bringing in to be instructors they they experienced what the student was going to experience firsthand. Exactly. They, yes. And I thought that did aid in the in in their development to make them better uh, instructors. Uh, my only problem with that whole program all along was as a Oh man, how many years? Seventeen years, sixteen year staff sergeant. The mm-hmm. not being able to speak with students thing. I had, I always had an issue with the. I knew we could make general military corrections, but that whole you're not certified. Don't don't be alone with students. That I didn't uh, like okay. that um, part of it. But that has nothing to yes. do really with the training. But that was always my big issue with it. That was the only really big that was issue sad. I had with it.
0: That was a local rule uh and that we had ended up following you know i i this is and this is what i got from what you brought up was yeah we didn't really get to like when you and i went through it because then we later changed to the uh the newer form of training the adult version of it um but we knew we didn't do all everything the student did and that's what you know when i when i read this and it talks about training and certifying leaders it, it says that certifying personnel must have detailed knowledge of the training subject matter. So if I'm training on forklift driving or I'm training on how to uh, make cold calls, I don't know if I'm training on these, I should have already done it myself, not just once, but multiple times. Yes. Because every time you do it, you're probably going to run into a different roadblock. Now, maybe every time you do it, you run into that same roadblock. Oh, well, we've got to work towards this roadblock to help, Are those being trained get through that also so if we can't get past it we got to help them get past it and that's the whole point about certifying those individuals so if if you're out there and you're you're about to conduct training or you're about to build training one of the key factors is you really got to run this through the gamut you got to see hey do they do does my trainers actually know what they're doing and are they able to do it so they can help mentor and coach See how we brought that back in during (laughs) the training? Yeah. They get a mentor and coach during the training to get people beyond those places where it seems like they're having difficulties. So, all right. What you got, man?
1: Yeah. So, Brian, that was good for training and certified. And I really like the whole, you know, experience it yourself aspect of it. Definitely took me back to our days. So what we got next, though, this one's near and dear to my heart, and it's currently something that I I do for training on behalf of the training audience, but Mm -hmm. number three is recon the training sites. Uh, Leaders perform reconnaissance of training sites and report back observations of potential issues prior to execution. Leaders verify that training locations can support the training event and enable the units to accomplish its training objectives um they make contact with site support personnel and solve scheduling and coordination issues quite literally brian this is what i do here so we have big great big exercise somewhere in europe and i go to the country yep. where their training's gonna be conducted and you know <laughs> <laughs> so you gotta identify where's the training gonna be uh done so for what we do we actually contact the country and say hey we want to do some training we'd like to use this location will that work for you yeah. and then the, country's military says yeah that's great you know come on so we go out there we take a look around okay i'm trying to shoot high mars right so like rockets i can't go to a camp that's like five square miles and say i'm gonna shoot high mars so then it's not suitable so that's something that comes out in this recon right um Mm -hmm. to make sure it's suitable if i'm going and i'm gonna do some uh forklift training right and and it It's like a fifteen degree incline. Okay, that's not nobody's going to sign that risk assessment. So now it's that I have to go back to the command and say, "Hey, there's an issue at the training site. Here it is. I can do a risk assessment if the colonel or whoever is willing to sign that. If not, here's my second course of action. I also know there's another site. I've already set up the recon. It. It's more flat. We may, you know, we're going to see it. Whatever. End of the week." Um, so when you do those recons, those are the things. And then this is one that the Fort Benning site had that I didn't see in our notes for uh, the, the documentary you're Using, And I'll send you the link for the one from Fort Benning. But accessibility for emergencies, accessible for emergency care. That's another thing to consider in your training site because we all know Murphy happens, accidents yes. happen. Can we, get a, can we get a helicopter in? Can we get an ambulance in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you're going to do training, especially, uh, I don't know if you know, you probably know you're a maintainer, Hotel 8 training, right? So that's the recovery class mm-hmm. where they learn to use the wrecker. They put them things in some locations where an ambulance isn't getting back there and you can't get a bird down. But what's the location where we can get a bird down, uh, aircraft? What's the location we can get to an ambulance? How are we going? What's the plan to deal with an emergency when we're remote like that? So you have to consider right. all those mm-hmm. during your recon. I think the recon is another thing, Brian, that experience. The questions you ask on a recon. And so, like I said, what I do here, very similar. And when I used to, when I first started going, there was questions that now I asked that I didn't even think of them. But now through experience. Mm-hmm. And then I listened yep. to this captain or I listen to this other NCO and what they ask. So I can ask the security questions. I'm not a security guy, but I take a protection guy with me, and I've heard him ask, and I know what he's looking for now, to the point where if he says, hey, I'm going to be on leave, I can't go on that recon, I can say, Mm -hmm. well, I got you. I know what you're looking for. I'll shoot you my notes. So that's something that's important uh, for that recon. So for me, the most I have these little things on here. Recon training site, I think that is it suitable and the plan for an emergency. I think those are two of the biggest pieces of that because, I mean, I've been to some places and people don't think about this, but you go out there, you do your recon. It's nice and dry. It's a beautiful day, right? And then the rains happen and now your tents, you're trying to put down pallets to make floors in your tents because your stuff is floating away, you know? So those are the type of things these recons should bring out, Brian. Well, you got, uh, I know you've seen some recons go bad or good. I
0: have. However, I, I've also seen Yep. I've seen them go good because like, for instance, uh, we had an incident, uh, back, you know, back in our old instructor days where, you know, everything was uh, done correctly. Everything from the safety to the, you know, everything was done correctly. And this young soldier was getting in the back of a truck.
1: I remember and this it
0: well, was, it was, Yes. And it was a, it was a freak accident. Yeah. The soldier put the hand up, um, to grab a hold of the ladder, to Whoa. use the ladder as we're instructed. Whoa. So we're, and we're, compl- I mean, and we're doing the right things. The finger gets caught in this little tiny loop uh, hoop, hook loop thing that I guess was yeah. just unlatched and soldier fell. Soldier's finger is then de-sleeved and I mean, it was just like, wow. When you've seen it, and it's just like oh, you're man. staring at it, you, you're like, what is that? It it was however, we we use that training site multiple times every cycle. Yeah. We we uh we did our risk assessments, we had all the proper stuff in play. We always had the medics available on each side. We had so many things that you you know, you would think, Hey, you're not gonna fail. That can still happen. Things will happen. And you know what I'm grateful for, Ed? The fact that we actually planned for an emergency and we were able to get that, that young soldier taken care of quickly. What you got, my man? You're about to show me something here.
1: I'm going to try to show you some bad... So this is the thing, right? This is the cotter pin. This is the no, wire. Yeah. And then this is the ring. And then eventually, you know, you get the ring and you got this the collar pin here and then you've got the wire and what she did is her finger went in here and that yep, wire perfect
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: so you know what i remember about that incident though i have to say it and i i i, I actually think he listens is my man ray lee <laughs> I remember, oh i remember <laughs> Ray I Lee. I believe <laughs> yeah believe me now the soldier was okay we did see the soldier a few weeks later right yeah so yeah. i'm not the laughing at again. the event but Ray Lee, on the radio, oh, my God, there's so much blood. There's so much blood. There's so much blood. And I was like, calm down. Nobody knew what he was saying. The poor soldier. Yep, yep. So I wasn't on the ground. But the story I got yep. from Shivis is the soldier standing there, right? Her finger is out here like this. And she's like, man, no. <laughs> like, she was so in shock, you know, mm-hmm. from it. Yeah. And then there's Ray Lee. <laughs> so if he's listening, <laughs> yeah. my man, Ray Lee, I, I haven't forgot you, brother. Yeah. And every time I think about yeah, that yeah. incident, but there was a plan, right? I mean, we did a so one. much emergency yeah. planning when we were there for heat. Oh, and goodness. for You know, normal yeah. stuff you would expect, but that was unexpected. But uh, it happened Completely. so quickly.
0: Yeah. Yes. I, re-
1: I remember that very well, so. Um, so this one here, There's Brian, a, this there, is,
0: there is a key. Is there a key. It's key to re, you know, recon that area. so you oh, yeah. know how are you going to bring? What if you got to bring emergency services in? if yeah. they can't get to yeah. you.
1: Well, luckily we had gators and we had all kinds of. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> to get out. Oh, there. It,
0: we yeah.
1: Um. So what we got here, Brian? We got number four, and it's a very military mm-hmm. language thing. We're talking about issuing. Oh wait a minute! Did I do three? I did three. It's your you turn.
0: Sure yeah, 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 yeah. Here we go. Oh, you're trying to rip so me off. You're going to let me go too. <laughs> you're doing a great job. You got the whiteboard. Uh, I'm just staring <laughs> at mine. It has other things on it. Uh, no. So issue the operation order, otherwise known as the yes. op order. Uh, I'm going to read through this, but I'm going to kind of explain in layman terms what it, we're going with here. So that, this, I'm glad you got this, this order. <laughs> This order specifies responsibilities, timelines for the execution, tactical scenarios, and other key information necessary to execute the training event. Leaders identify the tasks trained, training objectives, the training mission, and the method to execute the training. Leaders ensure subordinates have all available information to prepare and execute the training event. A successful training event relies on all leader understanding the expected outcome and remaining focused on the training objective. All right. So layman's terms here. Basically, if you've never seen an op order, you have no idea what an op order is. You're Uh, like, what are these guys talking about? This is basically a document that says it's, it's a five paragraph format, but it gives you the who, the what, the when, the how, the why you, if you have a, a, a question It answers most of those questions in most most cases. However, there's the, there's the other side thing. If you don't understand something, then you send up what we call an RFI request for information because Mm -hmm. you didn't understand exactly what happened. So it's a, it's a communication, but it's a hard paper that allows you to see, okay. All right. They're saying, all right, Bravo company is going to execute a downed aircraft recovery team training. Got it. I can do, I you know, and then it gives me, okay, so this unit's going to, uh, then we're going to have oh. the sustainers and the, in the SSA providing X, Y, Z. We're going to have, um, we're going to have, uh, another organization providing an aircraft to fly them in. We're going to have another organization, transportation organization. And then it gives like each one of those units is being used. It gives them tasks and equipment mm-hmm. that they have to provide. Um, it's kind of, it's, I find it to be useful sometimes, and other times I find it to be a headache because then you're like, well, I got to coordinate all this. I got to do this. It just really depends upon the people you're dealing with primarily. That's usually where where my headache is. It's the actual involvement of individuals. Or who wrote it.
1: Yeah, because I've seen some that that are written in a lot of depth. So here's what I got for you, Brian. The outboarder, right, down here at number four, the Mm -hmm. outboarder is all of this. Because I'm going to tell you who's being trained, where we're training, when we're training. I'm going to lay out the instructors that I want and how I'm going to certify them, right? And then we can Mm -hmm. skip. When's the recon? That's when I'm going to put my date time group of the recon. But then let's go all the way to the back, right? You're like, well, it's in the middle. What about the last four things? Okay. Training. Here's what equals success. Hey, we're going to do the AAR at this time and this date after the training's complete. Mm -hmm. Retraining, like all this stuff, all the PCCs, PCIs, uh, pre-combat checks, pre-combat inspection—it's all going to be rolled up in that op order. So, to me, mm-hmm. right—if we're not going chronological, then op order should be number one because it's going to cover everything that comes after it. Every, or it could be—it oh, yeah. could be number eight. We can say, hey, everything one through seven goes into number eight, but it's number mm-hmm. four.
0: It's number four, <laughs> it's number, number four on the, yeah, and, and you know, Ed, this is the this is the key thing too, is I, I would encourage organizations. If, if you're listening and you're a part of something else and that you're not a part of the, the, the army or, or the military, cause we use, that's what we use. But if you're like in a civilian sector and you haven't used it like an op order type format thing to get things done, I recommend you do it because it is a foolproof way to ensure people who are signed and they are completing their duties that they need to, uh, and All then to right. use well, it for training, you're building the whole outline of what tra- the training is. I yeah. would say
1: it's not foolproof
0: because uh, not completely. They, the people it's
1: issued to need to read it too. I just ran into this yes. recently where people half read it and then miss key information. So that's the important part: is they do need to read it, but. And then there's so many there's other parts to it that we don't even talk about during this the warning order or warno, which basically tells you, hey, this thing is gonna happen. It's coming, so that you can start preparing your mind and wrapping mm-hmm. it around that this training is coming. Right? Like we're yep. gonna we're gonna conduct the M4 qualification range in February. Yep. Here's your warno now, right? And that's yep. just basic strip down information. The more detailed information will come in the op order. And then, oh, <laughs> by the way something happened and you're not going to get the range when you thought, then we're going to issue what's called a frago or fragmentary order. And we're going to change the dates of the range. Mm -hmm. So those are other Mm -hmm. pieces of the op order, but very, the op order is important. It is. And I didn't know how to read an op order or write an op order until I was at the crackle. That was the first time I had to really worry about
0: it. (laughs) Hey, we've been here at my school. We've been dealing with a few and I'm like, these are, large-scale complex ones, and I'm like, wow. I've never seen them the way these are. You're talking 800-page, you know, and you're like, oh, wow. There's so much involved. But it's just, yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: If our listeners have something that they use that this sounds familiar to you and you're know you listening and you're like, wow, that that sounds kind of like this that we use in our organization. If it's something that's releasable and you want to like – Send it to Brian or I through social media, then we would welcome. I would like personally, as somebody who's getting ready to retire way before Brian retires, I wouldn't mind seeing it because <laughs> me moving forward. I mean, this is something Brian's right. If you understand the op order, I think you could in, import that, bring that into an organization with you and it could help, uh, mm-hmm. distribute yep. taskings in an organization. I mean, honestly, for us in the military, if you want me to do something, and it's not in an op order. That's called an asker, not a tasker. A tasker ah, is something you can hold my feet to the fire. An asker, mm, I can be like, yeah, no, I ain't doing that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Tasker, you know, not an asker. I, and, <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, you yeah. know, th- this is the key thing about opera operator, too. And I've seen this. Now, you, you just got to be careful. You can't get lazy with it. But once you have a good one built, you can just recycle that thing, pull and plug yeah. information it's and yeah. in, whether – you know, routine training, routine training is, you know, it's one of those things where you just got to change that names, dates, locations yeah. sometimes, but a lot a of the same information. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, but that's, I, I think that's key. So, all right. So we're going to move on from this op order piece, which we do consider yeah. to be important to the number five step. <laughs> that is
1: important. So number five, hold on, Brian, because I don't have your, oh, I keep coming out the frame. I'm going to squat down. <laughs> so the number five step. This one's important, and and the bearded ninja would be ashamed of us if we didn't mm. say it was important. But this one's very oh, it's very very, very important. important. Uh, this is important to the operation. This is important to the training. This is important to your perception of you. So very important. It's rehearse. Uh, leaders conduct rehearsals to ensure plans are synchronized and actions are understood by subordinates. <clears throat> Um, leaders supervise rehearsals to ensure those responsible for training are prepared and organized. This step includes conducting rehearsals necessary for mm-hmm. the op for, or the op- opposition forces leaders and personnel. And so this is one as a junior. This also used to annoy me with Sergeant Ramirez because Sergeant Ramirez, I basically gave the whole class to Sergeant Ramirez. That was my rehearsal yep. in front of him. Every step pretend he literally literally brian would make me pretend i had six soldiers and i would give the hand out to him and then i would give him to my five imaginary soldiers as well and um you know so I just kind of went back to and then it tied that ties in well with somebody mm-hmm. i'm not saying bearded ninja's name but used to teach <laughs> the empty chairs when, yeah. when i was over there working with them and i picked that up and i started doing that and it's literally just you in the room And you're going through the training you're going to give, and you're saying, Mm -hmm. well, what do you think about that, Schmuggatelli? Well, do you agree with him, Schmuggatelli? So you go through the (laughs) motions and the rehearsals, (laughs) but it does, from my own experience, it did help me with a comfort level. It helped me get comfortable talking. Even though there's nobody in the room, my comfort level increased with being Mm -hmm. in the room by myself. Mm -hmm. Then when I got in front of people, I was... Uh, able to perform which is really strange I'm very I'm actually used to be very shy uh, I was able to perform mm-hmm. in front of people and and avoid stuff like crutch words and gestures and things mm-hmm. like that so rehearse so during rehearsal this is when we identify our weak points or the weak points in the training so you as the SME, right J- you as the senior you're watching whoever you've identified as your facilitator give this training and you're taking notes because you're going to give them AR afterwards, right, after the rehearsal yes. to help them get yes. ready and so that they, they look good in, in their actual live uh, training. Does the training flow? Uh, we've seen this before. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, I, I feel like early in our podcasting careers, we had an issue sometimes with flow. It was like we were on a topic, then we were in this topic, <laughs> then we went to this topic. You know, and we still have a problem with rabbit holes, yeah. but that's fine. That's fine. That's the nature of a podcast. It's a conversation. It's a back yes. and forth. But during training, if you are you don't have a good flow, you will lose some of your audience yeah. because some yes. are going to keep up with you because their mind runs just like yours. But then others are like, what is he talking about? And by the time yeah. you're <laughs> able to reel, try to reel them back in, it's too late. The fish is off the hook. Uh, yeah. So this is our big one, right? We've always you and I have always been taught we train the standard, not to time, mm. right, But we need to ensure we have sufficient time for achieving those standards that we identified. Um, nothing's worse to me than rush training. We're gonna do this training, but we only got thirty minutes, and we're gonna talk about forty five pages of material. No that's not, yeah, not that's happening. not gonna work, yeah, that's not, not happening, happening. And, and and if it is, we're not getting anything out of it. Uh, And nowadays, the way we train, right, there's no conversation. There's no back and forth for that stuff. Uh, The training aids, this has happened to me, too. And and Murphy's going to happen. A big thing here in rehearsals is you're going to identify, do I have operational training aids? Are my training aids sufficient for the training? Do they complement the training? Because I don't need to have a widget just to have a widget. I need to have a widget that validates something that I'm trying to train, right? It's got to complement it. Um, but I have also many times, Brian. I can guarantee this has happened to you. You do everything you can, and then you get to the live training, and something doesn't work right. Right? Something oh, absolutely. It, it's going to happen. But the only thing we can do to try to avoid that is rehearse and review the PCCs, PCIs, our own mm-hmm. pre-combat checks, pre-combat inspections as the trainer. As the senior, make yes. sure that you're looking at what they should have checked. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, like I said, I was talking about last episode about my young soldier got frustrated with the computer. He checked that thing. That thing worked. He checked it three different times that I know of. But then when it was time to go mm-hmm. live, it didn't work. <laughs> so it yeah. happens, right? But that is stuff that gets flushed out in a rehearsal, my friend.
0: Yeah. What you got, Brian? decrease Decrease failure through rehearsals. that's. I mean, I, I don't care what anybody says. You rehearse and you're going to eliminate majority of the problems that you're going to run into in the actual thing. Even if Absolutely. it's just a speech. Let's just say, yeah. let's say we're not doing training. Let's just say we're doing, we got to present a speech to someone or we got to, you know, we got to speak to a group. If I practice it, I'm going to, I'm not going to fumble as much and I'm probably going to refine it enough to where it sounds more professional and... Uh, I'm not going to sound as if though I have no idea what I'm talking about because once you, when you rehearse it, you're like, Oh wait, that didn't make sense. Let me change that. Um, so I practiced, uh, for, I had an oral assessment I had to do, um, a couple weeks ago and it's, it's basically you're by yourself uh, with your two instructors and you do an oral, uh, presentation. You can draw some stuff. You can't walk into the room with any type of notes or anything, but you can draw some stuff on the Mm -hmm. board from memory and then you have to present it. Brother, I sat in right in this spot we're at right now. I have a whiteboard up here, and I, I, I have my Peloton sitting right there. I treated the Peloton as if it was one of many of my <laughs> people, and I was talking to it, rehearsing my entire piece. Now, that boosted my confidence going into that, right? It's the same thing with a training. If, if you were a primary instructor or you're, you're providing some type of asset for it and you're a part of it, if you rehearse it, you're not going to feel as on the spot, and then also, let's say the trainees those those that you're training uh, are asking questions. Maybe you can feel the questions a little bit better through the rehearsal because you went through what they went. What they're about to go through. Yeah, so that's just no, my no. two cents on rehearsing.
1: No, so I agree, and, and you know, I talked to you earlier about this documentary I'm watching about these comedians, and so one of the things that they do is comedians will do their set in
0: front of a mirror or in front of. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're going to, we're going to dump in, jump into step six. We're finally going to train finally there. We're finally there. Like, So you think about it, step one through five is all this preparation. And I will tell, I'll tell listeners all, all day long, you're going to spend more time preparing and closing out the training. than you're actually going to be doing the training. It, it, that's, and if you don't, then you may have, you, you were winging something you shouldn't have been. Um, so here we go. So, step six is training. Training is executed, tasks are observed and evaluated, and training objectives are trained until proficiency is achieved. As participants perform tasks, trainers evaluate performance against published standards. So, those standards were developed further up in part of the whole planning the training event. And then, it, and then when you develop those, then you test those against your trainers and certified leaders, right? So you're, you're basically saying, hey, this is the standard. We've tested the standard. The standard works. Now we're going to train these individuals on that standard, and they need to meet that standard to be able to be proficient where we need them. Uh, the, the, whole, the whole aspect of the training, that's the fun part. I, I I'm gonna tell you right now. That's when I I usually have the most fun is during the training event, because one I'm seeing something prosper that I I I may have helped develop or I developed. Two, I'm seeing others grow from it, and they're starting to catch on to the things that you know that we're training on. And then three, it's it's that it's the uh, the fruit you know the fruit has bared, and now it's time to pick the fruit. If you know what I mean.
1: All right, so. Sorry, Brian. So now we've we've done our training. And the next thing that we want to do, we want to do it as soon as possible. We want to do it as close as possible to where the training was. Right? Yes. We've had a full episode where we've talked about the importance of the after action review, my friend. So we're at that now. We're going to do the after action review. We've done our training. and We want to know, you know, successes and failures. How do we build a win streak on the training? And this is how we're going to do it. So the Mm -hmm. AAR. Is conducted during the training and after the training event. That feedback is then provided to the unit commander to help assess the proficiency of the organization. Lessons learned are discussed, recorded for future use and shared with the units and leaders. <clears throat> These reviews help improve unit training as well as the unit's tactics, techniques and procedures. TTPs. TTP. I.
0: T-T-P. Did the
1: wrong thing there. Yeah, TTPs. So what I have, what I have that goes along with what I just read, uh, was there an eval conducted after the training? So we talked about earlier specific measurable things, right? Was there an evaluation completed? Um, was there an AR even done? We're going to make sure that's done. You need to do that. Yeah, the AR not only develops your organization, but it develops you. And then for me, mm-hmm. right, as the senior. One of my NCOs conducted the training, but it develops me on how to best mentor and coach that NCO to help him best give training. So it helps so many different levels and different people. Uh, where the training objectives met, very important, right? Training aids and materials, are they sufficient? Will we have enough mm. of them? Did they work? Did they make sense with the training? And, you know, sometimes, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I can definitely be an off-script trainer. So I may have things Ah. that made sense. And then in the moment, that 25% that I talked about during rehearsals that was still left over in that moment, maybe I go off and I make some of my training materials invalid. My training aids got to be careful of that, but it does happen because you get caught up in the moment. I don't know about you. I'm a very excitable trainer and, and I can lose track of, Oh yeah. I forgot to talk about that or use that thing. So, um, and then very important with the ar we need to record them we need to c- record them and we need to forward them out and so we've already talked about the structure of an ar right what was supposed right. to happen what did happen what re- what went well what can we improve mm-hmm. on and what are we going to do next time to make this training yes. better for our organization for our junior soldiers who are trying to learn and and that's what to me that's all this is about and when you're doing these steps and then you're going to do number eight here in a second, but this is an opportunity. We're developing our leaders because by doing these right, following this model, we're showing them mm-hmm. what the example is and mm-hmm. and really kind of like informally, we're showing those junior soldiers what right looks like so that they can be like, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to do. So, but conduct AR number seven, Brian, also very important. <laughs> Oh yeah. So
0: to me, (laughs) to me, the AAR is one of probably it is prime is probably one of the most important parts of the training besides the training itself. Um, Because obviously you wouldn't do any of this if you didn't have the training. Uh, But where this is where I want to draw the attention to that I, uh, I often get from it is, Conducted during training and after the training event. So during. Um, if Let's say you're doing a larger um, annual training or some type of conference where you're with um, a, a large group of business individuals. Mm-hmm. So we're saying on the, on the civilian side. Uh, we can compare this to military where we do like NTCs or JRTC, basically the CTC training, combined training centers. Um, if you can strategically place... Stopping points or waypoints within the training to do small AARs, it will help make the overall training a lot better. Um, one of the mm-hmm. key things you could do is even, hey, in our training plan that we built, in that plan, you know, X, Y, and Z are literally the the they are the culminating events within the training period, and it could be at the end of the day each day, but you 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 plan in. That AR, you plan in a yeah. little bit of time for the AR. So you purposely say, we will do this because once you do that and you can record that information, you take that data in, you may be able to completely uh, revise the training to, I mean, it's not going to be always be flawless, but you're going to make it better each time. Um, it's the problem is, is if people allow the entire training to, to take place over a period, let's say a period of days let's just say five days over a period yeah. of five days, you're going to miss what happened on day one when you're at day five. And the reason being is you're going to remember the last thing you did. Most of the time, most, most of your memories are going to yeah. be the last things that you think about, you know, from whatever took place. So let's say you're doing a five day ethics training, uh, wherever you're at. Ooh. Right. And okay. this five days ethics training is taking place. There's different subjects each day. At the end of each day, you do a small AAR on what was learned that day. And then, you know, and then you go through that whole process of, hey, what was supposed to happen? What did happen? What were improvements? What are sustains? What are we going to do next? You hit those points. Even if it's just a yeah. quick VOCO one, somebody writes down some notes, it helps. Uh, but that's that's my key point when it comes to the <laughs> AAR. We've, we've talked in depth about AARs. AARs are so, important. They are. Yeah.
1: So the one thing you just triggered... You just triggered a thought. Do you remember <laughs> how we did ARs in the instructor course?
0: Ah, uh, it's been a while, bro. I'm trying to. I'm so trying to what you're going to remind me is,
1: yeah, end of the day, right? We're ready to release them to do their cleanup, so I don't have to clean up. Mm-hmm. And then we would say, "Hey, what were we supposed to accomplish today? What did we accomplish today?" And then yep. we would yep. say, "On your way out, there's a three by five card in front of you. We want you to write one thing." it was done well today and one thing we can improve on and drop them on Mm -hmm. the desk as you walk out boom they drop them on we shuffle through them right uh um the bearded ninja and jc and i shuffle through them and then the next day we open with them we say okay you know we went through these and on this one here we we thought this was a good one what's a way you Mm -hmm. think we could improve that and we would have a discussion to open the day based off the previous day's ar comments but we didn't let them go home without leaving comment because you want it fresh like you said so it just triggered something in me and that's any organization could do that three by three by five card even if we're not doing training the next day you can at least do that part and then the next Mm -hmm. time the organization gets together for training you can open with last time we received this feedback these are some things we're looking at changing
0: mm-hmm. so yep and you know what you're gonna do made, made you're by. gonna get buy-in when you do that you get buy-in ed from yeah. people because yeah. you're actually taking their thoughts and ideas and you're incorporating it. and it's and we've talked about this before when you incorporate somebody's thoughts and ideas now it's their baby too and they don't want it to fail i mean it's, that's it's true. that simple That's absolutely true so yeah so. all right so we're Excellent. on our last one we're on our last oh, step man. ed uh, this one, yeah. this is the this is a key key piece because this is just kind of going back and hitting upon uh, what took place earlier in a sense. But it's step eight is retraining. All right. Yeah. Ta- tasks not performed to state uh, standard are retrained and reevaluated until the standard is achieved. Units do not depart the training event with tasks not trained to standard and training objectives not meet. Now, here's here's what I'm going to say. Yes, you do sometimes leave the training area if the standards not met. Um, uh, If you beat a dead horse, Mm. you're not getting anything from it. You know, yeah, lose interest. Yeah. So Ed, when we uh, we would uh, do land navigation, right? We taught land navigation. We tested land navigation. We retrained it, then we retested it. Um, Several. I can tell you right now, absolutely. It's it's over multiple days. I would tell you. If, if we did the testing, the retraining, and then the retesting in the same day, I think we, one, we would have had a higher fail rate one, two, I think we would burn out those soldiers and they wouldn't care very much. But what I thought was great is we did do retraining the same day. We often did it the same day as the test is fresh. So it stays yeah. fresh. Yep. They, Cause we can, we can hone in on their failures that they missed, or maybe the, the waypoints that they messed up or something that they messed up on. Well, but and, then go ahead.
1: No, no. So I don't know what you brought, but I often found that when you did the retrain the same day too, they had aha moments you would have a soldier and you'd be retrained. They'd be like, Oh, sorry. And I know what I did wrong now. What would it you yeah. do wrong? And they would explain it to you. And then they'd yeah. go out the next day and, you know, to retest mm-hmm. and be successful. But a lot of times you do that retrain. It's so fresh in our mind. They're still living in that moment that as you're doing the training, they would be like, oh, that's what I did. Oh. So, you know, whatever yep. you, oh, I used magnetic north. I don't know why I did that or whatever it was. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that was one of the benefits, I thought, to conducting it so mm-hmm. quick uh, when
0: we were there. But what's the benefit of retraining, everyone? I will tell you this. It's ensuring that those people who didn't meet the mark or meet the standard, you can help get them to where they need to be. And it's a perfect time for coaching and mentoring. It's a perfect time Absolutely. for because yep. you've already trained this large group over here. That large group all get it. You know that, right? Now it's yep. time for you to kick in as that influencer, that mentor, that coach. And you, maybe you do the one-on-one with those individuals and now you're like, that's when those are the enjoyable moments I got at was when I saw the light bulbs click on, on those land nav on the retraining. I used to love doing the retraining because it was like, Oh, what you just said. Oh, I see what I did wrong. I went this way. And I, <laughs> went, I did 180 degrees than what I was supposed to. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And then you go out there the next day for the actual retest, reeval, and they, they all just smoke it. Um, but that's, I guess that's the, good point about it you know ed we went through this entire eight step training model right and uh i did you want to hit some more upon retraining before i go any further on this uh so no i think i think we're good i mean it also
1: so from what i was reading there's a good chance that's where you review the aar right that's where your unit then identifies a need to conduct further training you dig into reference material and then retraining launches all the way back around to planning the next training yes, of re- that event yes. if necessary so i think that that becomes a big circle right it
0: it is it's like the operations process man which we could always yeah. talk about too um yeah you know it's funny uh as we were going through this ed uh not only as i was looking at over previously to prepare for this because i i did rehearse by reading it um however I felt like we were back to where we were because we used to train this. I remember and we would teach our students how to yeah. give a proper class and you ended up creating a whole nother class that wasn't even a really a class off of just yeah. teaching these steps to get kids to know how to give a class because they were always worried about their evaluation. And then that turned into an actually better class than some of the classes we had to get, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, and and that's like, and you started saying things up there and then you're on the whiteboard I'm thinking dude did he have a rubric with him or something when he built this because it sounded just like off of our rubrics we would use when we were evaluating our students <laughs> the, on the ninja, training events the ninja beat it into <laughs> me yeah definitely um so so with this uh if those of you out there listening if you don't if you want to find this you can find the Ape step training model uh all you have to do is google Anywhere. just Literally Google yeah. army eight step training model and it will populate. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of good information out there. There's civilian organizations that actually use this too. So, you know, it, it could help you out. It can make you uh, make your organization a little bit better. So we, we kind of went through ed. We started off with coaching, which is, you know, that kind of one-on-one, whatever. Then we mentoring yeah. with, was kind of like one, it's also one-on-one. And then we turned it into this training. Um where my ideas behind this were, was the fact that all three take place in influencing, right? We influence through our actions, our words, our deeds, 100%. things like that. And to me, when you're coaching people well, when you're mentoring people well, and when you're training people well, you're hitting upon what we're looking at for influencing and being a better leader. Um, I don't really have much left for the show today. Uh what do you got that you want to talk about before we uh we start closing it out?
1: Well, Brian, I'd like to talk about how our listeners can be connected with you and I. And they can do that by <laughs> checking out our Facebook page as well as our Instagram at 101influence. They can check us out at instinctiveinfluencers.com. They can meet the faces, see the faces Something, something, Brian. I think Brian's got it under construction, maybe. Uh, But yeah, go to the Facebook page. It's a closed. I guess I jumped the gun on that one. Retraining, Brian. Retraining. Uh, We're gonna, uh, yeah, go to the closed Facebook page. uh, Answer the questions. Jump in there. And like I said, if you have some kind of like training model or an op order that you use in your organization, I mean that'd be great to share with the team. And that's what we are here. We're a team and a family uh <laughs> speaking of team brian brian is uh joined the bandwagon he cheers for anybody playing me in fantasy football right now i just want everybody to know I that you also go to go to our youtube page check out the youtube give us a big thumbs up all right subscribe and leave some comments and uh hopefully the video quality gets better i i wanted to try something new i gotta tell you brian i wanted to try this new this week this might be a thing but we gotta not have long 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 podcast because my my feet hurt man but uh i do i feel more energetic i feel more like into it you know when you're at yeah. the board so yeah we might yeah, do some more yeah. uh scenery changes maybe brian will do so, one but uh yeah good discussion this week
0: brian i thought it was great yeah i i i totally enjoyed it uh I, i'm gonna have to flop some stuff around so i can get my whiteboard involved maybe at some point um and yes as he talks about the um i cheer for anyone i'm also i'm i'm basically this week the i'm basically cheering,
1: cheers against me
0: your whole well i'm just saying i'm against your entire household right now that in your house except for Pat, That's because they keep beating uh, because, you because no because i'm i'm trying to beat the brakes off your wife this week so we're going to see what happens there, you know? I'm
1: going, I, I, I'm, I got a trade on the table for her. Oh, by the way, speaking of trades, Antonio Brown, she missed the train, and then he had another good week, last week and this week. Yeah. And I believe, what's that old guy's name? Used to be in New England. I tried to oh, trade him to you, and you didn't him. want him. Oh, Tom, um, the number one quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. yeah, thanks for thanks for not trading me for him. I really <laughs> regretted that one, buddy. <laughs>
0: all right hey i think this out this is definitely leads to uh we need to do an ar on what took place and some retraining on nfl fantasy football hey seriously it was a great show uh i enjoyed it um i felt like i was back in the instructor suite of things you know um but with that i am brian and i am ed And this has been the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. We thank you so very much for all that you do and for listening to our show. Have a safe day. Let us know what you think. Check us out. Be a (laughs) legend.